listening to 9to5.cc podcast. Welcome to the 9to5 Entertainment System, your favorite podcast. Probably not, but may- maybe it is. Um, if you enjoy 90s, I really want you to go to patreon.com slash 9to5cc and support at the 90s deluxe I love 90s level uh, where you'll get access to Garbage Time, which is a bonus episode that we record after each and every episode of 90s. On this episode of Garbage Time, we will talk about Drew Barrymore, television shows, a couple shows that I saw like Sextile and B. Casa. But on this, the main episode, the episode you're listening to right now, we talk about Werewolf by Night, a bunch of comics, Loki Season 2, Generation V, Daredevil just, you know, getting scrapped and retooled over at Marvel, uh, Guillermo del Toro's Pinocchio, and John rips off the Band-Aid and watches Look who's talking now, and uh, you won't believe how good it was. All this and more, 90s. It's a podcast. Yeah, see, there's like a minus 10 count on mine. That's super weird. It's 90s, everybody. Boom, 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 boom. It's the spooky episode. Is it our last episode? Is it the spookiest episode that we're going to do this year? No, we should be back for one just before. Just before the, the yeah. spooky day? Yeah, we're recording on the 16th, and two weeks should be the no. 30th. Yeah, that's it. But the time the next, by the time we will be recording, like, peak halloween time but by the time the episode comes out it'll be over it'll just be glitter in the streets mm. candy corn all over the road it's pumpkin smashed that's right <clears throat> rotted pumpkins the scariest kind of pumpkins mm-hmm. have you guys been watching any like any horror any good any good horror stuff no, no? <laughs> silence i don't think so I don't know if no I- uh, I think John is frozen up completely again, or he's just staring very, very intently. If if this is him, just holding like solid face, what a what a blah, blah. John. <laughs> uh, yeah, John, you definitely need to connect. <laughs> I'm pretty sure I really want to keep that take. So yeah, that's okay. <laughs> so the show's I, already I was, started. That's okay. I was fully expecting Deb to walk by in the background. Just <laughs> <laughs> great. Uh, so yeah, what did I miss? I mean, we were just talking about if we saw any any spooky horror films, or whatever. I watched Werewolf by Night, I guess, because the commercials they started to tell me that Werewolf by Night will be available this year in color, and I was like, "What's the point?" And then I watched. It's the I had, worst idea. It's. I mean, I think the only thing that Okay, not to say the only thing that works for it. I think I think it's fine. So Werewolf by Night, John, is a standalone, like, 50-minute Marvel Cinematic Universe thing. Like, event mm-hmm. is too broad of a term. That Halloween special. Halloween yeah. special. Sure, but, like, a Halloween special is usually like, hey, your beloved character is in a spooky situation. And you're like, you know your beloved character's Man-Thing and Elsa Bloodstone? And you're like, who now? And you're like, don't worry about it. <laughs> okay. <laughs> These are the characters it's about. Uh, Look, man, Rocket Raccoon became a fan favorite. Sure, but that was with, like, a full film, not just a weird, like... It is literally, like, Elsa, the the patriarch of the Bloodstone clan, has died and invited the greatest hunters to who will inherit, like, for a battle for who will inherit the Bloodstone. And there is a beast that is locked in the garden, and whoever gets it. But also, they get... The hunters can kill each other. (laughs) Ha, 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 ha. 
They're literally full. And when I say that, it's not like a bit. The elder patriarch of the Bloodstone clan animates his corpse like an animatronic so that that is how it happens. And like, it's not that he's coming back to life. He's dead. He's just made them animate his corpse so that he could like stiffly deliver his will. Deliver his last will and testament. Is, to these is it more Weekend at Bernie's or more Wizard of Oz? I guess Weekend at Bernie's. Because he's very dead. It's not a ruse, right? Okay. It's, it's it's like he's dead and then they were just sort of like, he always had an air for the theatrical and they open up his coffin and then like his body moves around. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's shot very like classic black and white horror film. There's like film grain all over the place. There's a lot of like zooms and like weird like tracking dolly shots and all that stuff so it it does the creative old black use, and pardon? creative use of shadows yeah really good use of shadows actually the the werewolf transformation scene is like as, cl- as classic it's like the girl's like up in the corner of the of the cage also bloodstone and it's like the, the lights are like flickering and slowly zooming in on her and you see like like flashes of the werewolf transformation shadow behind her mm-hmm. like super like <clears throat> classic yeah 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Super fun, and I don't. I think it was fine. I mean, I can't necessarily say it was the greatest, but I think that re-releasing it this year in color is a stupid decision. <laughs> I feel that it just it must just be bad. Like it, it, it only seems to work as an homage to like old black and white horror. Like if it's in color, I'd be like, who cares? Because it's so much more flash than substance, and putting it in color takes away the flash. Yeah, I don't think it's going to be very good what if to watch. It, what if it doesn't? And, it, and it's like, I don't know. It's not going to make the script any better, John. <laughs> yeah, that's it. It's, it's, kind of, it's, it's kind of a pointless little, like, I, I just gave you the plot. Mm-hmm. They're, they're all hunting the same monster. And guess, guess who gets it? The, the Elsa Bloodstone, the girl whose name is named after the stone, believe it or not, gets the Bloodstone. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> like, and, and, and yeah, like I said, in terms of like, Nobody's in love with Man Thing and Werewolf by Night as Marvel characters. Like it's not like I mean Man Thing don't has even... the Man Thing has the best single title comic book of all time though. Let's let's be fair here. Which is Giant Size Man Thing number one. Nice. Giant Size Man Thing number one. So what is Giant Size Man Thing number one? I mean it's a comic devoted to Man Thing. Man Thing is basically just Marvel's Swamp Thing. Okay. With less talking and more swamp, oddly. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Weirdly, a less philosophical swamp thing and more of a swamp thing thing. Does it work? Yeah, yeah, he's fine. I mean, like, it's, it's, they're both obviously like ripoffs of swamp thing. <laughs> like, you know, like, of just like whatever, a, a creepy creature from the swamp that I think like drastically predates both of them. So. Right. They're both like it's like how there's like Dracula exists in Marvel and DC. You're just like whatever. It's an old timey. Or like mummies are in both. Like you're just kind of like oh, whatever. This is their this is their swamp guy. But he looks looks pretty much exactly like a swamp thing. But yeah, it doesn't speak. Whereas Swamp Thing speaks a lot. Because Alan Moore wrote him. <laughs> that guy never shuts up. <laughs> Stop talking about the green and all that shit. Oh man! Uh, speaking of, I guess, I guess, Man Thing, Giant Size Man Thing number one. Uh, we'll have to. I think we'll have to turn this into maybe, maybe even a segment until my subscription runs out. Is I finally ponied up uh, and I dropped one hundred dollars for a one-year subscription to Marvel Unlimited, which gives me access to about apparently about thirty-two thousand comics when Marvel plus Star Wars is about thirty-seven thousand total. So the vast majority of Marvel 
plus Star Wars comics. I now have access to at my fingertips. So if Scott wants to give me any like reading assignments or stuff, like Marvel two and one annual number seven. Marvel two and one annual number seven. What's you have that? to text that to me. It is my all time favorite single issue comic book from Marvel Comics history. It's one of the elders of the Strange universe versus Dracula. Yes, it is. And and I say that just, just fucking loving that Doctor Strange versus Dracula. I know, I know, I know that's one of your favorite comics. Com- that, that's probably the best spooky comic. Uh, Marvel 2-in-1 Annual number 7. Marvel 2-in-1 was a comic that starred The Thing. Uh, uh-huh. And hey. uh, teaming up with Shins other Park. other superheroes. Uh, mm-hmm. Kind of like um, Spider-Man would team up in Amazing Tales. Like, like a Brave and the Bold. Yeah, exactly. But it's always always the thing. And this is the one where the elder of the universe, not the collector and not the grandmaster, the game master, the grandmaster, uh, shows up. This time it's the champion who shows up. And he takes all of Earth's strongest superheroes and and it's like not them. And it's not a secret war. And it's not a it's, secret... It's not a... It's not a secret war. He takes Colossus and Thor and Hulk and Sasquatch and the thing and wonder man and namor the submariner and says i will give you the gift of glorious combat sweet and we were gonna have a boxing match one-on-one let's go if anyone can prove to me that this planet is worthy of of the glory i'm about to bestow on it then i won't wipe it from the face of existence and this is not jeff goldblum's character from ragnarok no it's the champion he uh, he he's he's like a mix of a pro wrestling champion and a and a Muhammad Ali. I see. And he gets very disappointed. I bet. Yeah. Yeah. Right now I'm reading through the I think it's all new Guardians or whatever the one that started in 2013 or 2014. Uh, yeah, it's like the the Brian Michael Bendis run, and it's really like it seems you you can it's tell fun. that they're. Guardians of the Seven. That's like the end of it. No, this is book three, and I got four oh, and five okay. here. They're all by Bendis. I don't know. I'm in. I'm in twenty. I'm at issue twenty-five, and I don't think they've disassembled. Maybe they have just disassembled. I don't know. Oh no, maybe I'm only at thirteen. I got confused because it's the trial of Jean Grey, and the trial of Jean Grey starts mixing like they start going back and forth through X Men. So I'm not really sure. So this how is much. the very next one. It starts at issue fourteen. There you go. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I think I'm right there. I'm right there. I'm in that. I'm in that zone. Well, you uh, won't believe what happens when Star Lord. Uh, <laughs> it just pisses everybody off because it's kind of his Again. thing. It's it's and it's also what's weird because I think one of the trades that you got me from Dollarama was when Star Lord and Katie Pride were already like a couple, which I knew had happened. But this mm-hmm. is like the lead into that, where and I, I like I love that there's like the Earth tech is like so like so far behind where like Star Lord's like, hey, you know what? I've traveled like the entire galaxy and I've met like seven cool people, and you're one of them here take this and she's like that's like a little communicator and he's like she's like i'll use it in case of emergencies and he's like emergencies no this is like alien technology just like call me whenever like it's <laughs> it's fine <laughs> like literally anytime if i'm not busy we can chat <laughs> like, <it's>, like <laughs> this isn't like an emergency beacon or something this is just a future phone it's it's weird right that kitty only goes after guys named peter has she ever dated spider-man I mean, I know she's like Peter yeah. Peter Rasputin and Peter Quill, but also Peter Parker. Weird. Also Peter Parker in the Ultimate Universe and uh, Pete Wisdom from uh, Excalibur. Uh, Pete Wisdom. Who 
Who's your favorite Marvel character? Pete Wisdom said nobody. Who? He was on. He was in Excalibur for like fifty issues. He was, he was like one of the main characters. He's like a British spy who yeah. throws. Yeah, the only energy the knives. only Excalibur lineup that I know is the Nightcrawler, Captain Britain, Phoenix, Psylocke, and Kitty, with obviously like Lockheed and uh, whatever. Isn't there another? Megan. There's another. There's a Megan. Megan. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. So maybe not Psylocke. Megan, not Psylocke then. Not Psylocke, Megan. Yeah, yeah. Megan was uh, Psylocke was X Factor at that time. So it's mostly S Factor. Anyway, uh, yeah. No, no, no. It's. I mean, I haven't. Like I said, I never really read. I, I read like guardians in like the 90s and i never read any of the the new guardians run it's fun i like it it's neat rocket is uh rocket's rocket you know he tries to get blam i murdered you over as a catchphrase and everybody comments on it <laughs> and also oh yeah that was why why this That's series so <laughs> yeah, stop trying to make fetch happen that's never gonna happen also i don't know if it's first but it's definitely early it's the weird the, the reason this run hit my radar in general was because of Marvel Snap where I was like, "Oh yeah, Angela's in Marvel, but she wasn't always in Marvel. She used mm-hmm. to be the she used to be an image character. She's like a a rare started creator in owns. Yeah, 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 a creator owned character that has had a full run in Marvel or a full full run in Image and then like and then McFarlane sold, like wrote her into Marvel and then sold her fully to Marvel, if I'm not mistaken. No, it's Gaiman. Gaiman. Oh, yeah. And they didn't need McFarlane because it was yeah. Gaiman's character. And that way, McFarlane got like, sis, like sassy about it. Yeah. Yeah. And Gaiman was like, whatever. I, I invented her. Girl named Angela. Her, instead of a skirt, she has a big belt. <laughs> She's an angel. Sort of. Ish. Yeah, exactly. Which they really don't get into. They're just like, this is silly, and nobody seems... Like, she's, like, around for, like, 20 issues, and no one has unpacked what she is, Mm -hmm. because nobody cares. Because they're the Guardians, and, like, they're all from, like... They all have insane backstories. And also, Gaiman making any scratch by taking a character out of the Spawn universe and selling it to Marvel. (laughs) Very funny. Hats off to you, Neil Gaiman. (laughs) Gotta get paid somehow. Uh, but yeah, so yeah, Angela's just hanging out with the Guardians of the Galaxy, and I was like, this is so bizarre. Mm-hmm. Like, it's not not at all where I would have, like, slotted her into the in-universe. Yeah, right, because like, the obvious one is Thor. You throw her into Thor. Yeah, yeah 100%. Like, like, angels and gods and whatever. And that, that's She why. looks like a Valkyrie, practically. Yeah, it's a whole thing. They both have wings on their head. Yeah. Uh-huh. Instead, she just hangs out and flirts with Gamora a lot. And Rocket's always like, will you marry me? <laughs> She's like, no, I will not. And he's like, I won't stop asking. Anyway, so now I'm going to read, uh, I guess, all the comics in the whole wide world. Yeah, all I mean, mm-hmm. I, mean I, I was telling when I was telling Andrew about the fact that Marvel Unlimited has like thirty thousand comics or whatever, and he's like, it's only thirty thousand. I'm like, yeah, I mean, like, it's still like a shit ton. And he was like, that sounds doable. <laughs> <laughs> like, I was like, I guess. Yeah, yeah. You got to think. There's like what <laughs> six hundred issues of like Spider Man, Amazing Spider Man. Yeah. Six hundred issues of Uncanny X Men. Mm-hmm. Of Thor, like. Yeah. Full read-throughs of their entire runs. That's. If you did lot. one one book a day. Take what, quick what, guess. A com- How many a years? Comic a day? Yeah, but the thing yeah, is, but like, I'm, I'm reading. I'm reading casually, and I'm doing three issues a day, and I'm reading okay, like, like at no point am I sitting down to read either. 
That is like that is a little bit before bed and bathroom time. And I'm doing about three issues a day of comic books. Comics are fast, dude. They're like twenty pages. Like I would say so, that if you if you devoted at like three a day, it's gonna take you twenty seven years to finish yeah, your which your which see, sounds pretty doable. I mean I guess. <laughs> You just gotta you gotta spike it up on the weekends and get through like yeah, yeah. no but I'm saying but if I if I if I like read if I replaced all of my reading with comics I'm sure I would be doing like ten to twenty issues a day easily I really want you to do that I want to see how long you last before you fucking lose your mind with reading like the same campy weird nonsense but, that, but that's what I'm wondering I feel that that I feel like that's what you would have to do is you'd have to do like run from the 2000s, run from the 60s, run from the 80s, run from the 90s. You'd have to, like, bounce around so you don't, like, lock into an era because then I feel everything will get, like, so samesy. And I'm and I'm also sure that, like, so much of it's bad. Like, I'm sure, like, I was like, yeah, like, like sure there's 30,000 Marvel comics or whatever, but I'm like, I'm Here, willing here's, to... I'm here's willing where to you die. Here's where, where you die. The 90s. And you're like, I'm going to read 500 issues of The Incredible Hulk. From the 60s. Hulk smash, army show up, Hulk run away, Hulk calm down. Well, that was uh, whatever. <laughs> Until about 1985, eh? like, whoa. Well, that was what Eric was saying. Eric was like, man, he's like, I'm so happy that they've done, like, uh, that they've done grand design for Hulk. Because he's like, it makes Hulk seem so much more interesting than, like, I know he is. He is, like, <laughs> you're like, this took, like, they're like, oh, wow, this is a super compelling story. Yeah, but told over... 200 issues of basically him just smashing stuff every now and then little bits of intrigue like crop up here and there so when you're reading grand design you're like whoa hulk's amazing i never knew hulk was such a great character no he's not just if you like put him into a juice presser and like right, squeeze. you gotta wait until at least the 80s before mr fix it shows up and before that it's really hulk angry hulk smash army show up hulk run away hulk calm down Bruce Banner walks away sad. How did I do this again? Like 250 times in a row. <laughs> oh. And Kirby's only on that book for like eight issues, so it's only good for a little tiny bit. Then, then the art gets scuzzy? Yeah. Yeah, I don't, I don't know if I could do the 90s stuff, though, man. Oh, some of it, someone was, someone was trying to pitch me Age of Apocalypse or whatever on the internet. And I was oh. like, and I was like, no, because it starts with Legion Quest, and I know that that I just I started reading that, and I couldn't get through it from the art. I read twenty issues of Jim Valentino's uh, Guardians of the Galaxy. Yeah, you're telling me it's so bad. <laughs> I don't understand how he became one of the Image Seven, like, or how that that run, like, people were just like uh, on on. So omnibuses have their own subreddit, John, where it's comic collectors who only collect omnibuses and like someone was talking about their like their top 20 or whatever and the jim valentino guardians one was in there and i was like are you sure Ooh. Ooh. <laughs> like... so speaking of your omni the omnibuses i have five mm -hmm. and only one of them is good <laughs> <laughs> wow Scott. maybe maybe two maybe two but i've got like the atlantis attacks omnibus that's bad the Evolutionary War Omnibus. That's bad. I have John Carter, Warlord of Mars. That's real bad. You're going to suffer when you get through the Marvel on that one. And then... Didn't they make a big movie about that? Yeah, like a really bad movie about that. 
like one of the all-time flops. It's cost like three hundred yeah. million and made like eighty. Um, Captain America: The Trial of Captain America. That's fine, and I've got Squadron Supreme, which is good. Hmm. Yeah, I don't know. Hmm. Also, yeah, that was the other thing. Omnibuses too. are rough. I'm sure omnibuses are just comics are rough. <laughs> just just in general, like even even reading Guardians, where I'm like, I know a lot of the characters and whatever else. Like, there's just like it's so hard. Comic books is such a weird medium because it involves like it involves knowing so much to even understand. Like, you can never pick something up and like know what's going on. I was th- so I was thinking about like what's like the long other like long serialized stuff and that I watch, which is like wrestling. And I was like, right, but I'm like wrestling has a lot of recaps. Last week this happened and whatever else. So like, even if you like take a year off, you can jump in and be like, okay, I got this guy. This guy's new. Whatever, place it. Like, but that's that's because they don't reach that far back. Exactly. That's what I'm saying. Whereas comics is just sort of like there's all the issues going around where it's just sort of like, oh, the X-Men showed up. Like, so I'm reading Guardians and the X-Men show up. But like, it's not the X-Men as I recognize them. Beast is currently in like human form, which is I was like, I guess because like, but that's also, I guess, a bit of a trope, right? Like Beast. Beast is different every time you see him, right? Like, mm-hmm. like in, in lots of eras. But then uh, X-23 is around and I was like, OK, yeah, I at least know X-23. And they're like, and also we brought back the original X-Men from time. And they're young again. So it's like young Iceman and young Angel and all that stuff. And I was like, what's going on here? And why are they hanging out? And then, like, the Star Jammers show up, who I was only tangentially familiar with. But then was like, oh, that's Cyclops' dad. And young Cyclops is like, I'm going to hang out with my dad and have a dad. Because I thought he was dead. And it turns out he's not. And he travels in space. So I'm doing that now. Goodbye. I'm not going to marry you, Jean Grey, because we know that that goes really bad because we've all seen the future and we know how that ends. So see you later. I'm traveling in space <laughs> now. I think this is going to be better for all of us. So like, and, and old Cyclops is still around. So there's like young Cyclops and old Cyclops are two characters. How does that work for his dad? <laughs> like... <laughs> his, his dad is married to a cat lady. It works just fine. Exactly. He's like, but like, what's also great is it's just like, hey, son, do you want to come with me? I mean, I never got to be your dad for real, but now I guess second chances. Hey, flies away. Like, yep. And I'm like, boy, this is a lot to just like just sort out when I'm like, and I'm and remember, this is X-Men shit that I just was exposed to by reading a Guardians run. Mm-hmm. Like now all of a like sudden, just... if, I'm, if I'm reading X-Men being like, if I'm only reading the uncanny X-Men, young Cyclops just disappears. And they're like, yeah, he just went off with, you know, the Star Jammers. And you're like, that happened in an issue I wasn't reading. Because I'm only put reading Put a little X-Men. caption box. Yeah, it's exactly. Like, go read that issue. <laughs> Where, where's Cyclops? I don't know. But just imagine if wrestling did do storytelling that way. Like, if WWE was all about obsessing over dashing Cody Rhodes. <laughs> remember that time, Cody, where you had a mustache and how much that meant to people? Like, well, let's let's dive deep into that again out of nowhere. Like, yeah, let's what? go back. I mean, they do what? that sometimes. Not not like that, though. Whenever the NWO gets back together. <clears throat> I mean, yeah, but... And DX. Oh, it's two guys from DX together. They might crotch chop and be DX again. Yeah, but they won't talk about, like, the, the super nuanced stuff. You won't see a lot of, like, remember that time when China left DX to go with mark henry they don't care stuff yeah. is forgotten they'll, they'll stick true. to the hits yeah whereas yeah they'll, they'll just dig up random yeah just drop in chris summers back into the story so that he can just be a dad to cyclops you're like this is for yeah. nobody 
But I, I will say, though, also having bounced around a lot in the Marvel comics, reading a ton of comics over pandemic and now into this nonsense, the 80s were way better at, like, previously, like, having that having that bubble mm-hmm. of, like, what the hell is going on? And, like, like if you're just sort of like, you know what? Like, Mary Jane's a model right now, and he, Peter's juggling this and this and this. And I'm like, thank you. Like, I know it's it's a lot of exposition that's on the page, but also I think would allow you as a little kid to, like, pick up a random issue and not feel like you're an idiot. <laughs> like, to be like, I don't understand why why Peter Parker is, like, suddenly kind of seeing Black Cat as Spider-Man, but, like, Mary Jane. And it's like, here's what's going on. This is the love triangle that has been created. And, yes, it gets repetitious because there's that little box in every issue. But it's only one mm-hmm. little box, and it lets you know what the hell is going on. That's the difference in sales model. In the 80s, every issue could have been some kid's first issue. Mm-hmm. And the editor-in-chief would be like, you got to explain this shit. Mm-hmm. And in, in current times that we live in, every issue is going to be part of a trade paperback. And if you're not going to be able to sell it in six issues, then it's going to fuck everything up. Yeah, because trades are the trades the are sale it. model. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, 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 that's it, I suppose. I, I will say that here is the thing. Is they should in time. Yeah. They should with with the with it's, him. it's the guy from the from the podcast. It hasn't been released yet. <laughs> it hasn't been recorded yet. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, the two things. One that Marvel and Two Lin- things. Whoa. As as a service does not uh, track all the events. It, don't, it has like the major events. You can like read like you know like Secret Invasion and all that stuff. But like, but I was like, oh yeah, I got to the trial of Jean Grey, and then I had to look at a reading list to see how it bounced around in a couple of comics, and plus the ancillary stuff. So mm-hmm. and it, but it's the reading list is not in the app, and I'm like, people have done this for you, Marvel. Like it exists, like CMRO dot com or whatever it is is like the the definitive reading list for every Marvel storyline, counting mm-hmm. main arcs. Plus all the like auxiliary stuff that's there, and I was like, "This data exists. Point your app at it, you idiots!" And let me just click from one to the next, and it's just being like, "Oh, like in Deadpool one twenty one, make that a link." If it, and if it's not a link in the comic, like have like one of those like overlays, like they have on like Prime Video, where you're like, "I could be able to press a button and then go to Deadpool one eighty one if I want to." Like that would be so cool, you know? I was like, "This tech, this is not complicated." Like, all of the data's in the app now, guys. Like, you can just start to build these things. And I think you're... I, I would be, like, just going down rabbit holes. <laughs> just like, what? Mm-hmm. Boop, 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 boop. And just, like, 30,000 comics would go by in a, in a snap. Oh, man. This is going to be, they... like, the time you tried to watch all of Doctor Who. I mean, I made it through, like, a, a lot of Doctor Who. There's it... a lot of Doctor Who. I made though. it through the, the two big Doctors and uh, the first new one. I've watched probably a couple hundred episodes of Doctor I have not. I know. Nobody should. Uh, well, you know what happened is that I like got a better data plan. Because I used to download the videos of Doctor Who, and I would watch like one episode on the way to work and one episode on the way back, basically. And I would have them like downloaded to my phone. So that would be like I wasn't using data. Now that I have like a better data plan, I can just like watch videos and play games and do whatever. I don't need to think about like not streaming anything. Podcasts. Podcasts also got better. Mm. Do, do you have Marvel Unlimited open now? 
What do you mean Marvel Unlimited open now? I mean, I could. Like, I want to know if they have US-1. US, what is US-1? Uh, it's a series of comics from 1983. And is it just, yeah. is it like US-1 or U.S-1? Like US-1. Um, and I don't even know how to explain it. It's it's about trucks. Like O-N-E? No, U.S. number one. Like United States one. United States one. I have USA Comics. Is it a series called U.S. one? Yep. Uh, I don't know. It's, there's too many U.S.'s. Is there a year? 1983. 1983. It's on Internet. <clears throat> Uh, no, Ghost Rider, Star Wars Annual, USA uh, Comics. It's it's like stupidly based on a licensed property, so maybe it didn't make it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it might not have. Official index to the Marvel, yeah, no, I don't see it. Because it's about a truck driver who drives mm-hmm. a truck. His name is Ulysses Solomon Archer, USA. Nice. Mm-hmm. And he drives a truck. Fuck yeah. <laughs> they, they made 13 issues of it. <laughs> Hmm. It's the series. I found the Marvel 2-in-1 series, though, from 74 to 83. The Thing-Man thing? That's a crossover you want to read. And that's the Thing versus the Man thing. (laughs) I'm touching on both topics that we just spoke about. Uh, You got to let me know after you read uh, Annual Number 7. Annual Number 7. Like I said, text text with me. I'll definitely hit it. Yeah, because there's a kind of a cartoon homage to it. Okay. And I don't know if I want to tell you about the homage before you read the book because it'll color the way you look at the comic book. Ah, ruin things. Speaking of, I had a whole transition where I said easy like a snap, and then I was going to say, speaking of the snap, are you watching Loki? You, are, yeah, I know you were up to date with Loki mm-hmm. season two, episode two, and the you know just the casual so spoilers for Loki season two, episode two. It's been out for a week now. Uh, um. The casual event that is like a monstrously higher body count than the snap that they don't seem to really have put the correct amount of gravitas on at all. I think they're just sort of like they're like all those those people. And I was like, no, people should be killing themselves in grief. This is what what has happened. So did you watch Loki season one, John? I did not. So the the whole concept, the conceit of Loki season one is that – one of the Kangs basically was like, I'm not the worst Kang. So to prevent all the evil that I can do in the multiverse, I'm going to create an organization that keeps one timeline. And when a branching timeline creates, this organization will do something called pruning and kill that timeline, like evaporate that timeline. There will only be one timeline. It's the sacred timeline and creates this whole big song and dance to maintaining the timeline to prevent the creation of a multiverse to prevent worse Kangs. Because he's like, listen, I am definitely not a good guy, but there's way worse Kang the Conquerors out there. And then they're like, but that removes free will. And then they, they, they blow him up and whatever. And then, then timelines start to diverge. And that's what sort of has triggered the, like a lot of the multiversal stuff in uh, the MCU. What counts as a decision worthy of the creation of a new multiverse? I don't know, man. They have a screen that tells them. Okay. This is neat. <laughs> exactly. Um, time, time travel a lot. That's like the big, big example. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like anytime you, you go, go back, back in time, time and... 
Back to the like Future anywhere? 2 stuff. In the universe? Huh? Often, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Huh. That's a big old place. A lot of That's people right. do stuff. Yeah, yeah like well, when Biff goes back with the, the sports almanac. Okay, so Kang, Kang should have showed up and killed Marty. Well, he would have sent sure. some TV, TVA people to go up and... Well, no, but not necessarily. Because you get to go back and you get to go back to the certain timeline. But then the divergent timeline, right? So it's like... So imagine... So, like, theoretically, when Marty travels back in time and comes forward in time, he should go back exactly to his time and not have altered the future. If he altered his future, that timeline would get destroyed. Hmm. So it's like... So you could go back in time, take an item out of it, and then come back. And you, one of those timelines is okay. The other one, not okay. <clears throat> so it's kind of like it's kind of like Kang was making it like you never did it even though you did. Anyway, so they whatever they knock out free will and then the the sacred timeline starts branching off infinitely and they're just sort of like all this free will and all of these multiple creatures. And then in episode 2 just one of them bad guys just starts like casually bombing like thousands of realities out of existence. <laughs> like you see the timeline just like, doo, 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 and I'm like each one of those is like double the Thanos snap, right? So if you see a bunch of realities just like flicking off the screen in rapid succession and people are like, oh, those people, oh no. I was like, I feel it's way worse than that. I feel that that like the gravity of that situation is like crippling how, to your mind. How are, you, how are you supposed to hold on to caring for an, another universe? I mean, but they're the t- people, everybody, everybody who's there is in the TVA. They're in the Time Variance Authority who is in charge of that. Like that's their whole thing is maintaining timelines. I don't know. That's the thing when there's a multiverse. It just, it's, it Nothing all matters. mattering. It doesn't matter here it, anymore. Here it is, Keith. All of them have already done that exact thing. That's Every true. single they've, one they, of them. They've all been They've done it before. themselves. Yeah. That's true. I guess. Still pretty, pretty gross. Um, Yes. You're forgetting. You're, you're leaving out the thing that was the most awesome. Key Loki. lime pie. Key lime pie room. <laughs> that room was the prettiest room I've ever seen. They get lost in the TVA and end up in the pie room. <laughs> What's the TVA? The Time Variance Authority. I see. Again, you, you might not like the Marvel TV shows, but whoever is the set designer and props master for that show just fucking deserves all I, the ice. I just, I like that it's super weird and doesn't seem to be that, con- as much as it's concerned with the multiverse as a concept, does not really concern with the multiverse as a parade of characters you recognize. <laughs> Ouroboros' like, appearance was fantastic. Yeah. Where Loki disappears to talk to him 600 years in the past. Yeah. Do you have one of these devices? No, no I don't. No, I don't. I'm sorry. Wait, yes, I do. You. <laughs> because someone is having he's having one conversation with one character six hundred years in the past, and another conversation with another like now. He's like, "Boy, that'd be really great if you had one." He's like, "Yeah, too bad I don't." But then another one's like, "Wait a second, you need to six, start making one of these now." Six hundred years be long enough for you to build this item? He's like, "I guess so." And then he looks under his desk, and it's there. He's like, "Oh, I did build one." Okay, he like Quan. Didn't that as... happen in Looper? Kinda. Kinda. Yes. But they didn't do it with K. Kwan. So he's amazing in that scene. I just love, can you figure out this time pad? Oh, yeah, I definitely could. But I'm also fit trying to figure out how to like prevent the temporal loom from like consuming us all. Which one's a bigger priority, do you think? <laughs> and he's like, they're like, uh, probably the temporal loom thing. He's like, okay, I think that's a good decision. 
just the sincerity he asked yeah, with that no, question. With, yeah, exactly, with no, like, no, no sarcasm or anything in the <laughs> delivery. Like, it's just like, I don't know, man. I'm the guy who, like, it's like the clerk in the basement. Uh, uh, I'm enjoying it. Same, same. And I have not enjoyed a Marvel show for a few now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Pretty much. I, did, I didn't finish Secret Invasion. I didn't even and start Secret Invasion. Take that. They did a whole Secret Invasion show? And it's bad. Crazy. Yeah, unfortunately. And it's starring Samuel L. Jackson. Yeah, Whoa. it's unfortunate that it's bad. Because it had it had a it had me at the pitch of like, oh, it's just gonna be like Sam Jackson and it's just gonna be like the spy shit, like who do you trust? Who do you whatever? And then like cool. as of first episode they were like, It's bad and it gets better and I was like, I'll wait on that. And then everyone was like, Nope, it's bad and it stays bad and don't watch it and I was like, saved it, I dodged a bullet. Don't need mm-hmm. to watch this at all. Anyway, um, yeah. Speaking of uh, speaking of comic book stuff, are you watching Generation V at all? Uh, no. No, you should. I should, but I'm not. It's good. Is it? Yeah. It so, seemed like it was the the splattery boys without all of the characters that I liked. No, like yes, but no. <laughs> <laughs> There's also there's the cameos are hilarious. Like there's all these like PSA announcements and it's like almost always the deep and it's always <laughs> terrible. He's like Brink made me think about how I could work as a thinking man's hero and stuff. It's so good. Uh so take what 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 I like about it, it it's obviously a little bit difficult to 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 jump in because it is a whole new thing of characters, but it takes place. So it takes one of the one of the boys' story arcs, the the, the G-Men story arc. Remember where mm-hmm. one of the G-Men like uh, just has, goes on like a murder-suicide rampage or whatever, and then the boys kind of need to investigate what's going on? Mm-hmm. Uh, and it basically takes that story arc and transplants it into a Voight university. Uh, and but then places it sort of chronologically right after they've gone public with the fact that all the babies got injected with chemical V, right or compound V. So everybody there, they're like superheroes in training, but they also know that their parents have you know shoved an experimental drug into them. So they all have like kind of like they're sort of dealing like voids like bots kind of trying to like deal with that fallout while still trying to be like, but you're still heroes and this is what you need to do. And what I like about it is it kind of is dealing with characters who are like the characters are being set up to be like next members of the seven essentially like they're like Mm -hmm. high ranking characters at this university but they haven't been like fully corrupted by the system yet so it's a lot of them being like wait what we do what here and how and i'm supposed to just what (laughs) you know like and that's that's fun because it's like it's and you can kind of see how, like, oh, some characters are, like, are down, and other ones are, like, this is not being a hero at all, you know? Like, so it's kind of fun that you get to see the actual soups in training dealing with what this is and what this means, and also, like, how some of them are going to end up to be, like, Homelander, but maybe not all of them, you know? And then, whereas if the boys, the boys are, like, the only good soup's a dead soup, right? So if you kind of, like, mm-hmm. if you put this exact same storyline in the boys... They're just going to be adversarial, whereas this is like the battle of like a couple of superheroes trying to trying to be good because they still kind of think that they can be because they're still young. Yeah, so. I don't know. I, I like the boys. 
I like the boys in measured doses because the cynicism of it is very strong. And, 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 that, and that's the thing is it's not as it's not as cynical because the like like the main character is like his dad's like a Vought exec and he's like well not the main character but one of the main characters and he's like genuinely being like primed for the seven and he's like but I have powers and I could do real good. And is like, and is trying to do that despite kind of being like where the company is pointing him. So it's not mm-hmm. as it's not as cynical as the boys is as a show, and as the boys are as characters. Like it's someone who's like, I have powers, and I th- and I don't have to be a member of the seven. I can just use my powers to be a hero, right? Like we all screw up, and and that can happen and stuff. I'm like, whatever, but like. I'm not just supposed to turn a blind eye to this. It's like that's what I'm saying. It's not as as cynical in tone. It's like kind of hopeful. I don't know. They might. I'm like three, four episodes in. Who knows? They might just drop <laughs> <laughs> drop a drop a giant foot on me and just say screw it. I don't care. Like because that would be very boys esque. But as it is right now, I'm kind of like you're kind of rooting for this like next generation of heroes to maybe be like better because like they're they're genuinely trying to. Let me know. I can wait on it. If you, like, like, let me know if the other shoe drops. Yeah. Just, if it, it turns, turns out, out to be like a monster, a, a monster dick punch. Yeah. If it turns out to be like a, a Walking Dead kind of season where everything just goes to hell, and I don't really want to go down for that. Did you see the news? What happened over at Disney talking about superhero shows with Daredevil? Oh, that they no, just shit canned everything or something. <laughs> so the story is that. Um, they weren't super happy with a lot of the reviews that came out with Secret Invasion. Um, some of the complaints about She-Hulk and Moon Knight before that. Uh, both of which were fine, but a lot of people didn't like it. And they weren't nobody's, as good as I don't think it, anybody's favorite shows, right? Like, no. Yeah. They're, people they're, are they're like WandaVision Loki. They're not like... They're not like... She-Hulk was really divisive and Moon Knight was just... Okay. Good until it wasn't. Good until it wasn't. Just mm-hmm. missed the landing. Which you only had eight episodes, so like, come on, right. you could you could have you could have just handled good. I never finished that show. I was into it when you told me how it ends. I was like, I just don't care anymore. Yep. Uh, they were three episodes deep into Daredevil when the strikes hit. Uh, they hadn't gone into post production, but they had written and filmed it. And then the strikes happened, and a lot of Disney executives were like, "We got nothing." going on right now so let's let's just watch this stuff let's see what they got oh my god daredevil only shows up at the end of third episode in a six episode show weird (laughs) there's only six episodes of this (laughs) to be fair who's in charge no no who's in charge like we don't actually have a showrunner (laughs) whoops yep and they're just like okay get everyone in here fire all the writers fire all the directors, hire a showrunner, and just send it all back. They're like, what, everything you have done is the opposite, and it's, it's never going to happen again. They're, they're talking about no more six-hour-long miniseries movies. Everything's going to have a showrunner and a show bible and, and plan for a season. There's no show bible. There's no show bible. There's no None of the writers know what characters they're writing. They're just kind of making it up. I was just gonna say though, you 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 point that out, but on my Comicsology Unlimited, I was like, oh yeah, <laughs> the the Malieve 
Bendis run. I'll pick up the first Malieve Bendis uh, Daredevil trade. Do you know that that run starts with like four issues of just Ben Eric talking to a kid? (laughs) Daredevil's in about five panels of four issues of a Daredevil comic. And it's like one of the all-time runs. And the art is is amazing. And thank goodness because, boy, if it wasn't Alex Malieve doing like experimental painting all over every single page, what would I be reading this for? Is it Malieve or Mac? It's David Mac, isn't it? No, it's Malieve. David Mack does a that kid episode, which is experimental painting. And Malieve is like black ink on all the paper. Malieve is the follow-up to it, I think. But I think it's yeah. technically in the same trade. You're right, you're right, you're right. Yeah, yeah David Mack is the, the, the kid with the, the leapfrog yeah. story. Yeah, yeah, yeah it, it that's is. David Mack. It's, Mack. it's Mack that goes right into Malieve. But in the run, like in the Bendis run, that, like it starts yeah. with a Ben Eric, five issues of Ben Eric or whatever it is. You People love that. It's 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 hard to read, and I don't think it's very good. I I think it would work if it was shorter and also not a bait and switch. If they were, if it was not like if it was not published as a Daredevil comic. Yeah, if it was like a, a special edition. Yeah, like, Daredevil like a, the a, investigation. Well, yeah, they could have called it like a like Daily Daily Bugle investigates or whatever, because it's really mm-hmm. just it's that. <laughs> you know like, it's or, or like god loves man kills right like the, the x-men one there's not a whole lot of x-men action in that one just, just a lot of, like, but even there was even a couple issues of the of civil war right like there was a, a few issues of civil war that was just always the the what the bugle was doing like, frontline yeah, yeah yeah that's it frontline yeah exactly something like that where you're just sort of like oh yeah that's it's it's not really a superhero thing it's like how did how do these stories impact regular people or even even marvels right like mm-hmm. the alex ross stuff you're going to do a weird prestige painted comic book that's not really about superheroes mm-hmm. maybe maybe put its own book yeah don't but, be like but, daredevil issue one my name is Ben. <laughs> this right. little kid has freaking killed his father he's <laughs> dealing with some trauma let's dive in also yeah. That trauma is going to be nonsense because it's going to be painted by an experimental expressionist. Yeah, hard to put together. Even <laughs> even having read them, you're like, I don't know. I guess he electrocuted him or something. I suppose, maybe. Daredevil's uh, like, I don't, I don't know, man. You fight a lot of people. What do you want? To, what do you want me to tell you? If there's one thing comic books loves, it's when someone else looks at a book and says, "Oh, actually, that might be art." They're like, holy shit, yeah, it might be art. It's great. It's the best thing ever. It's it's art. Look, take us seriously. Yeah, I mean, it's some nonsense. It's it it's really <laughs> like I said, I didn't mind it. It just should not have been pitched as a comic book. It but it really came off like high school like collage art. Like good art. Mm-hmm. And then, and then, fall, yeah, it is. It is the follow-up with the Malieve stuff, with the or Kingpin. They kill Kingpin right off the bat, and all that stuff. Yep. Yeah, yeah. That that's the Malieve run. Yeah, yes, yes, yes. That's all you can tell out. because the black ink spills everywhere. <laughs> so much black ink all over the place. So dark. <laughs> uh, I, either either way, still Bendis is very lucky in both cases because I don't think mm-hmm. the, even the Malieve run. I don't think Daredevil shows up. It's just the mobsters killing each other. Once Daredevil. Once it stops being that thing, Daredevil doesn't show up for a while either, really. Like, it's just God, focusing like, on the mob stuff. 
If you read those two issues and put Punisher on the cover. Two issues, dude. The Ben Eric stuff is like four. You're no, like no, no, six no. episodes. <laughs> the, the mobs, the, the follow the Kingpin one. Yeah, like, yeah. if you were to scrub off Daredevil's name from the cover and say it was a Punisher book, you wouldn't know the difference. You'd have no idea. But yeah, yeah but it, but yeah, John, four four issues about a reporter followed up by two issues about the mob, and you're like, hey, how you like these Daredevil comics? <laughs> Daredevil's just not in them. Weird. It is weird. And it was like a relaunch of the series, kind of. Huh. Yep. Brian Michael Bendis. I, he's all over the place, man. I was like, boy, Bendis wrote more stuff than he should have. Yeah, this that is the Ben Eric stuff. Look look at it. Yeah, it's just scribbly colored lines and mm-hmm. Jackson Pollock stuff. Well, that's what is even Jackson going on? Pollock, but that is pretty... Is that... Huh, that looked like Tobias Funke. Kind of, yeah. He was, he was blue. He, somebody got blued. <laughs> and maybe huh. this time you won't get up. It's like it's like the end of Evangelion, you know? It goes into Kinda, uh, but it's the, beginning of the, it's the beginning of Daredevil. It's a, it's a bold strategy, Cotton. How did yeah. it work out for them? I mean, it's one Someone's, of the, someone said it's, it's it was one of the most art. critically acclaimed like well, there you go. Daredevil runs. There is some some critics said actually this isn't comic books; it's art. And then everyone else was like, "Yeah, art, art, art is serious. Comic books are serious." Pay attention to us. Look, we're artists. Trying to capture that the Sienkiewicz vibes, I think, but like worse. Oh, man. I know David Mack, when he talks about this stuff, is so up his own ass. <laughs> I, I, like, I don't want to say he's bad or that he's a bad guy. He's never really done anything that's like pisses me off. Mm-hmm. But he just talks about what he's doing, completely ignoring the fact that he's making... 22 page comic books from marvel comics right you just, mm-hmm. just like oh you know i really want to stretch the boundaries of what i'm doing i'm like you don't though you're selling them for 2.99 in the marvel comic book. alan moore hates comic books i mean that's true but <laughs> he had that you but he had a quote to be just sort of like he's like Comic books are for children and any grown men who are still reading them. This, this is like causing an inf, like infantilism of our society, and it's pathetic. He's <laughs> like nobody should read comic books who's a grown ass person or whatever it is. I was like, oh, Alan Moore. Uh, I was explain I Lost Girls. Just explain Lost. Yeah, Girls. exactly. Well, that's not for that's not comic book. That's that, that's erotic fan fiction. <laughs> In a serialized art and word mm-hmm. balloon format. Oh, <sighs> yeah, it's the, the infantilism of humanity or whatever. I mean, I can see where he's coming from, but he's coming from also a huge amount of bitterness. But, un- so. but also money, to be fair. Like, like, the reason you get to live as the head of some weird coven in England with, like, 10,000 wives and be, like, a weird dude is because you made a bunch of money off of comic books. Like, mm-hmm. like you don't get to have your weirdo Alan Moore lifestyle if it wasn't for comics that you did. Like, I know he's not, like, didn't make the most money because he, like, famously turned down a bunch of it and whatever else. But, like, the money that he did make still affords him leading a crazy lifestyle. Like, for him to poo-poo on comics as a whole. Whatever. Never change, and Alan. Keep, and he keeps coming back to them. You can't not. Yeah, but you're only supposed to be in your... Yeah, because he's writing them for, you know teenagers you shouldn't read them you're in he's your 40s not. good god he's not writing for teenagers he never... yeah i was like do you think from hell was for teenagers or even watchmen like i guess at best watchmen maybe for an 18 year old 
Like, <laughs> with more than a passing understanding of what the Vietnam War did to the sociopolitical culture in the United States. It's yeah, not that's what really I'm saying. for my 10 year old, 11 year old kid. Yeah, exactly. I can kind of get it for like a late teenager, though, like a, like a politically active teenager college kid. I feel that, that would be that. That's the market. That's the only market who should have ever. Because, I mean, if you listen to Alan Moore, it should have never been republished because it was a product of its time. And it should only have been read during the Cold War when it was published. Should have had no republishing whatsoever. And I guess also it was for teenagers. So it had to be you had to be an age appropriate, politically active teenager in the early 80s to read Watchmen. Otherwise, it's not for you. Period. Alan Moore drew the line. Kind of makes you feel better about the movie, doesn't it? (laughs) (laughs) And then somehow we were like, hey, the movie's pretty good. The Zack Snyder guy's okay. And then he's like, hold my beer. I'm not okay. I'm just like Alan Moore. (laughs) God damn it. It's amazing. We gave him so many chances. Chance after chance after chance. You you earned an extra chance. That's the dumbest part. Mm-hmm. You're in the do-over. I know. People don't get do-overs. I mean, Sean Connery did, but that's about it. Sean Connery got to have a do-over? Yeah, he was like, I don't want to be James Bond anymore. And they're like, okay, oh, Roger Moore is James Bond. He's like, I'm going to be James Bond again. They're like, cool. And then they did that weird old man James Bond, where he just did it himself. He just like he just did it himself. It. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's like not technically a... not in canon, because it's... it's... Thunderball again, right? Or it's whatever. Thunderball again. Never yeah. say never again. Yeah. Hmm. But it's just Thunderball. It's just Thunderball again. <laughs> I always thought The Rock was like the last James Bond, Sean Connery film. He's not yeah. Sean Connery in it. Sure. I mean, he's not James Bond in it, though. You don't think? He's an, he's an arrested British spy who disappeared in America 30 years ago. And I'm pretty sure that the date of the movie launching actually links up to the date of the last uh, Connery, James Bond movie. Hmm. I'm pretty sure it was like they never say it, but it's like that was supposed to be the like wink, wink, nudge, nudge of the of the movie, as if that movie could be cooler. <laughs> as if the flawless film, that was as if the Rock, the Rock could be improved. It was. Oh man! <laughs> wow. Uh, did you guys watch the Continental? I'm one episode in. We've, no. we've, we've oh. been we hang it off for spookier things. It's great. I fin- I polish it off. It's real good. It's only three episodes, so it's only three episodes. The last one is almost two hours long. Like it's mm-hmm. it's a, basically a movie. Jeez. And it was so good that I went and watched Payback again. Oh man, you're like, <laughs> you're like hello, Mel Gibson, old friend. All is forgiven. <laughs> I would I would like to watch you be an asshole again. For these ninety minutes, we can be together. <laughs> I mean. Yeah. Uh, do I want to hang out with Mel Gibson? No. Do I, do I think he, he should be, like, cool with people? No. Was Payback a really good movie? Yeah. <laughs> I like Payback a lot. You know. I mean, dude, I can, I'm, I'm self-aware. I, listen, like, th- throughout the entirety of his cancellation, I can tell you I've watched Mad Max movies a lot. <laughs> <laughs> I watch those movies like at least once a year and he's been cancelled for like 20 <laughs> and I'm just like whatever this is young Mel Gibson young and naive Mel Gibson he doesn't know any better he wasn't anti-Semitic I mean, then I swear I'm pretty sure he was <laughs> so we started watching the Guillermo, Guillermo del Toro Pinocchio oh 
It was pretty serious business. We went in with the the hope of like finding a fun movie to give to Hobbs that would be like more uh, whatever. I, w- I would have been. I would have immediately been like. It is not the game of Toro. <laughs> but that's what I'm saying. I was like, I would have immediately, as soon as you were saying that, I was like, I, and expecting any kind of like friendliness and only getting Pan's Labyrinth. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> I mean, you don't want to make the comparison, but wow, wow, wow. Is it like in the same, the backdrop of like fascist Italy, the, um, uh, Pinocchio learning to be a boy and learning about independence alongside students at the school who are learning about fascism. It's like, Oh, it's heavy. And like the old man is like gets super drunk after his child is killed by a bomb from the World War One fighter plane that gets like woo off lost and it accidentally drops its bomb so it can it can get home. So mm-hmm. his son dies pointlessly and then just you know twenty years later he makes Pinocchio right as World War Two is happening. It's like it's so grim. Mm-hmm. We uh we were like having fun and they were like okay I think we're turning this off. It's definitely not for Hobbs. And um, are we gonna go back? I don't know. Like will you I go back like alone? Than I did. Yeah, I might. I might. Yeah, I don't know. I might feel bad. Also, it's like Debbie has the the puppetry history, you know. So anything that's like a big, a big, big budget puppet adjacent kind of film, you know, she's into. But this one went to a dark place pretty quick. Yeah, I was gonna say that. I was like, but Deb also doesn't have necessarily the appetite for horror and such. Yeah. That if if it's getting there, you know what else I watched. Oh. What else did you watch? Did you... Was it Look Who's Talking 3? Really? No, it was Look Who's Talking Look who's Now. Look Who's Talking Now. <laughs> right, okay. Well, now is the third one. Yes. 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 Okay, so what Part do we got? Part three in the trilogy. It is. It is. <laughs> Look Who's Talking I think, Now. Did I already see it when I was younger? I might have. I might have seen it and despised it then, too. Two. So... Oh, come <laughs> out and spoiled it. <laughs> what is this movie? It's uh, it's a, like a comedy in quotations about uh, a family that had talking babies, you know, and they would do all kinds of stupid talking. But, but to my things. understanding, correct me if I'm yeah. wrong, because you're now the resident look who's talking expert. Mm-hmm. Like even the babies, Someone adults didn't hear them, right? No, that's no, right. But adults I think they could sort of hear each other. And yeah, I remember like, the babies yeah. could talk to each other. The grown up and 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 all these episodes or movies. If you listen to last week's episode, are famous because they were like a list voice actors, basically. Does this count, Kirstie Alley and John Travolta and Danny DeVito? Absolutely. Yeah. For the voice, well, no, but also, the, Kirstie, Kirstie this... Alley and Kirstie Alley and Travolta are not like the voice actors. I mean, like the vo- first voice was. Bruce Willis, right, which right, is like right, right. big star Bruce Willis. The second one was Roseanne Barr, which was like mm-hmm. big big star Roseanne Barr at the time. And then this one is DeVito and someone else. Diane Keaton. Diane Keaton. Yeah, which is which is again, they're both both pretty big stars. Like the star mm-hmm. power was always in the voiceovers, and I think that like my mm-hmm. conspiracy theory here is probably that they, this was like a studio thing on how to get these stars was to film these things that did not need them, and then just get them to do voiceover work. Right, yeah. and then they could get their names attached to them and get them to do press for it and whatever else. So it was probably like a way to like save on budget, and not actually have to have these big names sticking hmm. around. So that was always at, the, what I thought. At the time, John Travolta would have been like an incredibly well-known name, even if he mm-hmm. wasn't at the halcyon days of his career. Kirstie yeah. Alley would have been one of the biggest Don't television cheers. stars at yeah, the time, yeah. right? Like on the 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 highest-rated TV show, must-watch TV. Danny DeVito is like the guy 
Still Danny DeVito, that, yeah. He's the wacky comedy guy at the still, <clears throat> still riding high off of um, like Taxi and stuff. Taxi, yeah. Taxi, Romancing the Stone, and is it before or after like Twins? Because Twins was also oh, like right a bona fide right around there, right? Around yeah. there, right? Like he's yeah, big one. He's he's wacky comedy guy. <clears throat> so this, these are like big names. Being yeah, like, dude. The so the the first Look Who's Talking came out in 1989. Made two hundred and ninety-seven million worldwide on a budget of seven point five. Wow! 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 Like, that's shame. um, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what I'm saying. Is like they and you just you have you get to have your numbers. yeah, like that's nuts. And I mean, cash rules like, everything what, around me. Yeah. Cream get the so, money. I we so. I, I I was gonna say this at the end, but we can jump to it now. The the big feeling of the movie kind of is like America's Funniest Home Videos. Okay, like, it's that like mega safe brand of humor of like schlocky voiceover over videos but just in this they have like actors making the scenes happen right um i kind of doubt that danny devito was like totally free to do whatever in terms of voice acting but i'll bet he did like a gajillion takes and they just took the zippiest ones and kind of like mashed them together but Mm -hmm. it's so tone deaf and so so tedious and okay what am i what am i saying when i'm saying tone deaf so the movie is really, really janky. Like it jumps, it jumps around from perspective and it jumps from like little vignette to vignette that are kind of like connected along this story, but it's very much these like independent moments. So you have um, three kind of like conflicts going. There's the conflicts between the children who are now kind of like age five and it's not so weird that they're able to talk to each other, but Mm -hmm. the movie kind of needs to jump into their fantasy zones to kind of explore them as a character. Example, you're watching, like they get into a fight and the little girl runs off and is crying and she sits down in front of a TV and she watches Charles Barkley doing like some basketball in a game. Mm -hmm. And then it moves to her fantasy zone where she's beating Charles Barkley, the now acting in this movie as, uh, and she's like dunking on him and jumping over him and floating over him. So there's like, I'm so excited for your next movie when we, the writing for the type of people who would find this kind of like amusing on any level. (laughs) And okay, so that's is, one conflict. Let me let me just stop you right there because this is the same Charles Barkley whose marketing like experience was him playing basketball against Godzilla, right? Like that was his big commercial breakthrough. Like hey, Michael man. Jordan had Air Jordan and Gatorade. Barkley had this great commercial where he he plays basketball against Godzilla, and then he gets dunked on by a baby. Look, man, that's, I bet they got paid. Which, which, is also, which is, which is yeah. also bananas, right? Because this is 1993. This is still like King Charles, Charles Barkley. Like this isn't like washed up Charles Barkley. Like his, top of his game. Yeah, this yeah. is still like like yeah. peak of his powers, Charles Barkley. Okay, Why anyway, that, that was like a really small one moment. year. Yeah. One year past the dream team. Yeah. So there's like the the kids the kids like kind of fight each other and they have to find res- resolution and then there's they fu- they they each get a pet dog right so like there's the the street smart new york dog who's who's Danny DeVito and then like the ultra rich poodle all dressed up who's um uh, what's her name Dan Keaton Dan Keaton and then there's also like conflict between uh Kirstie Alley and uh John Travolta's character they're having like marital troubles but like so in, so these three things are happening at the same time. You have the wisecracking dog wooing the other dog. You have the, the little children having, like, America's Funniest Home Video prank wars, running around naked, bump, like, fighting with each other, whatever. And then you have John Travolta and Kirstie Alley, who's, like, the throughput of their, of their story arc is negotiating the anxiety around infidelity. 
So Kirstie Alley cheated on him years and years ago, and then they each like they're each like angry at each other. They like John Travolta's character gets a, a really sexy, high-powered new boss who's like clearly flirting with him and trying to take advantage of him. It's like it's bananas. Like, who is this fucking for? It's all over the place with the, with them talking about very serious, heartfelt, like you know, we're we're like fighting each other about about John Travolta's anxiety because she cheated on him before, and then wacky zany hijinks with the dogs making like slapstick comedy and poop jokes and whatever it's does does danny devito say poop is funny he doesn't he doesn't danny devito is really restrained so they dialed him way 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 the hell back and like all of his shit ends up being targeted at a four-year-old kind of audience so did you write did you take any lines down any good lines did i take oh my god there's an alvin and the chipmunks song and dance number did you Why? slow it down and listen to find out if it's like a really good grunge, like sludge, sludge, uh, sludge like music. sludge, like sludge? Yeah, I, I don't know, but I, I should. I'm gonna go back and try that now because I really dug that Alvin and the Chipmunks sludge metal <laughs> album. I'm not gonna lie, un, unironically listened to it a few times. <laughs> so, um, John, another, you're, not, another you're not alone. That thing was great. <laughs> it was fucking great. I don't it's know. So what, what do you want me to say? Um, Call me, man. It's like one of the. <laughs> it's a great cover. They're they're uh, they're fantasizing about different things. It's really weird how much the movie like jumps into a character's dream sequence or their fantasy in order to like just I guess have something to do for them to riff over, you know, with their voices. But some of them are really dark. All the stuff about infidelity is really weird. And then there's like a couple of sequences where they show dead characters or dead people like frozen in ice. And I guess they're dealing with like Kirstie Alley at one point her her character gets her car run off the road and the dogs have to come and save the people whatever but they're like imagining themselves dying and they're showing real bodies and this is the craziest one this is so fucking bananas they want it to be a Christmas movie so obviously Christmas is like a story what is the the story the plotline about Christmas that they decide to put in it's one of the one of the kids discovers that the Santa Claus is a guy in a suit and then you know the the, the parents have to decide if they're going to lie to their children about about this being about Santa Claus being real but now, just imagine what's fucking going on. If you're a parent who cares about your kid knowing if there's if Santa Claus is real or not, how do you put a meta plot line about Santa Claus being real in front of them on the screen? You just like exempt the whole audience of parents who who want to like continue the magic of Christmas. Yeah, when these Which, kids, when, like, exactly. So presumably, these is, some of these kids are you know six or seven years old because it's a super age appropriate film yeah you're imagine you're a parent you're like i'm gonna get the, the new christmas movie of look who's talking now with danny devito all these top actors it's gonna be a fun christmas movie for my family whoops it's the night before christmas and all my goddamn kids are crying because they found out santa claus isn't real <laughs> like, <laughs> that's very weird amazing uh and of course it wasn't funny at all Maybe, uh-huh. maybe, maybe there was like here or there, there's like something that's, that's a good chuckle. Okay. A little bit like watching America's Funniest Home Videos, right? Bob Saget, every now and again, he, he, he hit one, but what, what's the, like, what, what, like, so what, what made you chuckle? I'm trying to think what made me chuckle. Probably Danny DeVito riffing on something, but he's, he's like doing such safe situation based comedy is so hard. It's so hard for him to do, for him to do anything. Or maybe not. Maybe 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 they were really happy, and this was the product that they envisioned. Did it do well? The, no, no. This so, was like so a yeah, mega yeah, bomb yeah. So, that ended so, the series. I it was like, so I can't. Yeah. I, I was looking this up while you were talking. I was trying to find the budget yeah. on Look Who's Talking Two. So mm-hmm. Look Who's Talking One, we just said was seven point five million dollar budget, like almost three hundred million dollar box office. Okay. I don't know what the budget was on Look Who's Talking Two, but I'm sure bigger, but probably not that much. Made one hundred and twenty million. 
This one apparently had a budget of $25 million and made $10 million. So this was like, this was a DOA at the box office, like, big time, big time. Like, I'm sure, like, as soon as the, as soon as the reviews came out, it probably here's, got, like, pulled off screens and stuff. Here's like, the wild imagine? thing about that. You know what's really wild about that? What? Is that means that that movie completely destroyed the career of Kirstie Alley and only saying, Kirstie Alley. <laughs> saying of those two dogs. No, but like, because what else you did she get, do after? Did she get? Right, she like, must have had a sitcom somewhere along the way. Yeah, I mean, but yeah, because because that actually, yeah, you're right, right? Because I was just sort of like, because everybody was like, Pulp Fiction was John Travolta's Renaissance, but I'm like, no, because right in like in, in 1990 and 1980, like 89 and 90, he was in Look Who's Talking. Certainly wasn't an action star anymore, but he just did like he just did back to back like hundred, three hundred million dollar movies. Mm-hmm. Did look who's talking now? It's like, oh man, that sucks. Pulp Fiction came out the next year, and he's like, Travolta's back, baby. <laughs> right? Know? It, like, basi- it like, basically just made him affordable for Tarantino. That's what it did. Danny DeVito. I gotta say, it's fucking worth it. <laughs> you know, we got Pulp Fiction out of it. Danny, Danny DeVito, DeVito always sunnies. Diane Keaton, never a problem finding finding work, but Christy Alley just Incredibly. became like a total. Diane Keaton can come out and, you know, like, defend her friend Woody Allen, and she's still fine and beloved. Actually, because Woody Allen's still I making understand. movies. But she was still working with Woody Allen nonstop, right? Yeah, yeah, that's it. Like, and, and nobody has anything really that bad to say about Diane Keaton, despite the fact that she's numerous times, A, continued to work with Woody and defended him t- to the grave. But, but, Kirstie Alley was the one just, but Kirstie Alley was the one who just ate it completely. Yep, you're not allowed. That's wild. Christy That's wild. One of those That's kids crazy. did anything. No. <laughs> well, we'll never know. It. So, well, yeah, do you want to rank uh, Luke is Talking Now? Yeah, I didn't even think about it. Yeah, hold on a second. Guess, guessing towards the bottom from what you're saying. But it also, it's not But it's yeah. not offensive. No, so. it just sucked, you know? The... Um... I'm really excited for your next movie, though. You, oh, what, something that you said really made me think, like, lock it in. If you yeah. like that Charles Barkley scene. <laughs> mm, I've already seen Space Jam many times. Oh. <laughs> Space Jam would be a blessing. Even the new Space Jam would be a blessing. This, Dead out not of talking, town. We're not the talking. one was not. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I'm just I'm saying compared, compared to the thing that <clears throat> we're talking about, the yeah. new one would be a blessing. Uh, Sex in the City 2. No, no, no! This is not at all. You got this was this was like just unfunny in the garbage. Yeah, okay, maybe a little above that. Where's Gem? She's in down two hundred. Gem is at two eighteen. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Catwoman by Pitaf. No, nope, this was better than Catwoman. <laughs> the Room, Cats. Oof. No, Ooh, no, Jason Bourne. Bourne. That's that's a boring failure of what it's trying to do, movie. <laughs> The Love Guru? I think actually yeah, Xanadu and The Love Guru are like kind of in the right zone because I feel like they they probably accomplished what the director was attempting to do, but it was just so so like fucking gormless and, and mis, mis, uh, misintended. So and The Love Guru, I recall having like, we watched it together, yeah. and I recall had like a laugh or two with the Justin Timberlake character. Sure, sure, so. sure, sure. All right, I'm, I'm going to put it above uh, above the Love Guru and below Xanadu. Above Love Guru, below yeah. Xanadu. I might be just being too generous to United Passions, though. No, that movie was bad. <laughs> yeah. That was a propaganda film. 
Yeah. <laughs> all right. Well, I'm going to leave it there. I'm, I'm, I'm happy with all that. So yeah, above Love Guru, under Xanadu. Got it. What a time. What a time to be alive. Whose whose turn is it next? Uh, I did the I did it in the email. I was like I I did the back. I know. I think it's you. Because mm-hmm. I, I did the emoji it. movie. Hang on. I got to update the list. We're we're like six months behind. Yeah, but we haven't we haven't done that. We haven't done that many movies. <clears throat> yeah, yeah, best worst movie ever. So from the episodes, uh, no, it's back to me because you did meet the All Spartans. Right. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah, 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 stupid penguin face fucking scene. <laughs> Good Good awesome. How bad, how bad that was. I don't think we have meet the Spartans on the list. But we need to put that on the list. I think. Yeah, yeah I've been, I've been like in, the, in the show notes, huh? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like there's honestly like there's. It. There's like six months of rankings that are not on the list, so there's like at least twenty of them. Yeah, yeah. I'll uh, go take a look because I've been saving docs for each episode, so and mm-hmm. I usually and I make sure that I put the word rank somewhere in them so I can help you dig them up. I have to. Anyway, alright. Thanks for sticking around to the very end of this show. That means you're our number one fan. As our number one fan, maybe you're wondering a way that you can show your support for this. We've set up a few ways, and the boys are going to tell you about it now. If you like this show, you might know other people that like this show, or maybe they'll like some of the other stuff that we're doing on the website. If that's the case, you can tell them all about it using all of the social networks, like Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. We're on all of those. Or you could just you know, send people links directly to the website. Or if you live in a world without the internet and you only listen to podcasts, you can tell people about it with your human mouth. There's other ways we could support us, John. If your interest in supporting us extends to the financial section, you might consider patreon.com slash 9to5cc. If you go there, you can get perks like early content, you can get your questions answered on the air, and you could get extra art. We've been doing this show for a long time, so we kind of know what we're doing. Not really. 905.cc. <laughs> Podcasts, blogs, and comics. Made in Montreal since 2011.